Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today. Those online, thanks for joining us and being part of our family. Um, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. There's a donate button, and we want to thank all that, uh, all those who do support and give to Living Messiah. Thank you. Um, I do want to open in prayer uh, here. Oh, and a thumbs up, too, is always nice. If, uh, if you feel it's needed, that would be wonderful. But um, uh, I want to open in prayer, but there's a couple people I'd like to lift up in prayer um, as well, okay? Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. Father, we thank you for you this day, this day of rest, that we delight to enter into it. Father, to grow closer to you, to one another, to understand the words of your Messiah, understand your commandments and your instructions for our life, Father. We thank you that we have the empowerment of your set-apart spirit. Father, we trust the report of your only son who, Father, your very words became flesh and he dwelt among us, and we thank you for that. And we thank you that we can come before you and lift up, Father, our, our dear sister Jessica, not feeling well. Father, we ask that your hand be with her and over her and bring her, uh, bring her into recovery really quick from the... Uh, from the the cold or the flu that she may have and father in our, our brother paul we lift him up that uh, that that he doesn't uh, catch what he's hoping that it was just a little bit of a tickle in his throat that it will that will all it will be father and anyone else who's needing prayer within our family we want to lift them up and have them get back to health quickly we thank you again amen all right, awesome. Well, I'm glad, uh, again, thanks for all of you being here today. Um, as you know, how uh, if you're new to how this works here, um, it's, it's really kind of open form. So what that means, there's two mics out there. So if you have a question or comment, raise your hand. One of those mics will find their way to you. And all we ask is, we, we're trying to study together, so let's try to stick to the subject at hand that we're discussing um and the whole point is that we do learn together that's the whole point of this bible study so um with with that as you know we actually we're beginning chapter 19 this week of acts so real quick as a review what happened back in 18 last week we read about a new person Okay, a new uh, character entered this uh, narrative acts. His name was Apollos. Uh, he was a, a Udite or a Jew born in Alexandria, a learned man, mighty in the scriptures, as we read. He knew the way of Yehovah or Yahweh. Okay, he was fervent in spirit, spoke and taught boldly in the congregation, which would be the synagogue there. 
that would be the terminology and the idea of what's going on uh, in, the, in the synagogue. But though he knew only the immersion of John, that being John the Baptist, Achilles and Priscilla, remember them? They're Paul's two new fellow tradesmen that he hooked up with. Um, well, they heard this Apollos uh, speaking. Uh, I think it was at one particular synagogue or maybe out in the street. I think it was in a synagogue. He was speaking, and uh, they heard him, and they got together with him, and then they explained to him the way of Elohim more exactly or more precisely. So what I'm thinking what that means, since we're, uh, you know, he, knew the, he knew the baptism of John the Baptist, okay, However, I'm thinking uh, these this couple here. They were. Th uh, I'm thinking they were um, that they were explaining to him that there was more. Okay, that was, there was more to the immersion of John, just the uh, just that immersion. Okay, so I'm going with that, and that more would be the immersion of the set apart spirit. Okay, and. I'll go through and if what I have before uh, have here, um, and then as usual, you know, it's up to you to decide, okay? Because we all have Bibles these days, all right? So the immersion of the set apart spirit. Now Yahshua or Jesus, he spoke about this uh, uh, as well. He called it the promise of the Father. So. It was something that the Father already had planned to do. And I'm saying that because if it was a promise, he would have had to have said that somewhere else. Okay? So he, the Father planned on this the whole time. And I'm sure most of you would know, you know, in those days I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. That is part of what Messiah was saying. That was that promise of the Father. Okay? So, all that we read in Acts in the New Testament, as you know, has its foundations in what already was established beforehand by the Father. To sum that up, there's not going to really be anything new in the New Testament. It's just the testimony of whatever was before coming true. You know, I think that is a very important part. So, let's begin Acts 19. And it came to be while Apollos was in Corinth that Shaul, or the Apostle Paul, having passed through the upper parts, came to Ephesus, and having found some taught ones, meaning other taught ones, uh, disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the set-apart spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard of such a thing. We have not even heard that there is a set-apart spirit. And he said to them, Unto what then were you immersed? And they said, Unto Johannan's uh, immersion, or John's immersion. And, and Shaul or Paul said, John indeed immersed, in, in, uh, immersed with an immersion of repentance saying to the people that they should believe in the one who is coming after him. That is in Yeshua Messiah, or that is Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus. And when they heard this, they were immersed in the name of the Master Yeshua. 
Okay, so here I believe Paul is saying that there is more, there is more, an immersion of repentance, and it should be understood that immersion of that uh, repentance of John, that should lead to the, lead then to one, or lead one to believe in the one to come. That's how I would put that together. So this is what I hope to accomplish um, with you today. Let's say it's that take-home or a thought, the process, okay? Uh, the things to ponder or meditate on, prove out for yourselves, obviously. This is the things I'm kind of going to want to focus on here. The relationship with the two immersions, okay? What, and me, I'm going for what binds them together. A common factor is obedience, the hearing and doing. And then belief, faith, trust in a biblical understanding, because I think that's very important, I know, with me, because we got belief, we got faith, uh, believer. Okay, we got all these terms in our English, but we need... They have to be defined beforehand, or they were defined beforehand. Um, and as you guys know, well, we'll get through that. And I'll, you'll, I think you'll be able to see what I'm trying to uh, accomplish with that. Then we have the hardening of the heart and, um, and what it means, okay? And the other thing is, I will point them out, so to speak, as we go, okay? And when Shaul had laid hands on them, the set-apart spirit came upon them, and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And all the men there were about twelve. And having gone into the congregation, he spoke boldly for three months, that congregation that assembly would be a synagogue, reasoning and persuading concerning the reign of Elohim, the, the kingdom of God. But when, some were, but when some were hardened and did not believe, speaking evil of the way before the crowd, he withdrew from them and separated the taught ones, reasoning daily in the school of Taranas. And and this took place for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word, heard the word of the Master Yeshua, both Yudim and Greeks, Jews and Greeks. For me, this is the part where there is maybe Paul's taking people separately and teaching them. Up until this point, it's he's only visited synagogue. Okay, so, but here, what I want to do. It's talking about tongues and prophesizing. If you could just set that aside for right now, okay? Set that aside. I'm not dismissing it or whatever, but when we start talking about that, we could start going in all kinds of places, and that's not what I want to focus on. Because what I want to focus on actually plays a part in those regardless. And it's, to me, finding the foundational things that helps me, so I'm just going to assume it's going to help you 
and understanding the, the scriptures and the language and the things going on as well. So what I want to do is I want to look at verse 9 today, specifically the hardening of belief. There's one of those key words, belief, faith, trust. Okay. I think it's key to understanding the Gospels and all of the New Testament as well, understanding this. It says some became hardened. So, is it safe to say that their hearts were hardened to what was being spoken by Paul? Yes. They spoke evil of the way. I would say they spoke evil of the way, and ultimately evil of the way of Jehovah, of the Lord. Okay? The hardening of the heart is something we have heard before, if you've read from Genesis all the way through. All right, right? You've heard this terminology before. So, something uh, that we have heard before, but let's explore that. Allowing, this is the important, I think the important part too, allowing the scriptures to define for us, not what man's theology or anything else says what the hardening of the heart is, okay? Because that can be really subjective today, all right? So, First, that first take-home point, so to, believe, so to speak, belief, believing, faith. It's interesting here. These men, they were in a synagogue, okay? So these men here believed in God. They believed in the Elohim of Israel. They believed they had faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they were believers. Now, there's a term that really can be confusing if you think about it. I'm a believer, you a believer? What do you believe? Confusing, yes. He's a believer, she's a believer, are you a believer? But, this is what James said. I was just going to add to what you're saying. <clears throat> this scripture stood out to me this week as I was doing the study. And so the master had made this statement. He said, if you had believed in what Moses said, you would have believed in me. So believing in Moses is believing in Yeshua. He says, because it testifies of me. So there's something attributed to believing in Moses, believed in Yeshua, because he said it testified of him. So obviously we know, as you said, there are people that did not believe in God's word, as you as you've, have been stating. Mm -hmm. And I see this that the master said is connecting that together. Thank you, Mark. So this idea of believe, so these uh, believe in the God of Israel. They believed in God, okay? But if you go to the book of James, I'll read it if you want. I'm going to be reading from James 2.19, just a little bit, uh, just a couple verses. It's interesting how James presents this idea. And in some ways, uh, I always, over the years, I've 
I think in some ways I see Paul, James specifically here, why he words thing. They're always combating um, the thought process that comes along with the, the Greek and the Roman Greek, Roman Greco thought process. I think a lot of the New Testament is trying to do that. And James here, I think, points out something very specific that's within the Hebrew concept of belief and faith and trusting versus how even us today, how that word gets thrown around, okay? James 2.19. You believe that Elohim is one, or, okay, you believe God is one, okay? You will do well. Guess who else believes? The demons also believe, and they shut. That's interesting. I'm a believer. Well, big deal. Right? There's not a whole lot that you got weighed in that. You're competing with the demons right now. There's nothing better than you because they believe too. Right? If you really honestly look at the simplicity of the idea. <laughs> so the demons believe in shudder. But do you wish to know, O foolish man, that the belief without is dead? Right? Works show then faith, belief, and trust. And then faith, belief, and trust produce works. So there is something that defines us. I think this is important to understand when we are speaking about Elohim's family specifically. So if we start going even further with this idea, okay? So then right now I would say the take-home point so far, belief in the hardening of the heart. This is where they come together. And where it truly, I think, can come together from something else that Paul wrote with this concept of believing. And really, what does that mean? I'm going to go to Hebrews 3. Yes. If we think about Pharaoh's hardening, the word over there is always stubborn. So people are stubborn. Stubborn meaning not really willing to totally yield and submit. Yeah. Thank you. So in Hebrews 3, I think Paul does a really good job of bringing something out. So I know we're talking about the immersion of repentance, the immersion of the set-apart spirit, then is to believe in the one to come. That's the promise of the Father. It's also the promise of the one that will come alongside you as well, right? He will walk beside you. He will come alongside you. There's many things that are associated with the set-apart spirit. So that means that the promise of the Father is the one to come who will come alongside you. So it is to believe in the one who to come. 
or to have faith in that one who has come or has came and will come again. That's my perspective on it. So let's look how Paul explains this in Hebrews chapter 3. And the focus then here would be how belief is defined or a believer is defined. Yes. Are you going to start at verse 7? No, actually, uh, 1, verse 1, and read all. When you get to that point, I find it interesting in verse 7 that he says, this is what the Spirit says. So he's connecting the Spirit and the Word together because he's going to quote what the Word says. But he's saying this is what the Spirit says. So I love what you're doing. This is awesome, and I think this nails it. All right, so Hebrews 3, I'm going to have it, verse 1. I even have it up for you. So let's, let's read it together. Well, I mean, not out loud, but read along. Therefore, set apart brothers and sisters. I know, I'm going to add some things in there, a little bit of commentary, okay? Brothers and sisters, partakers of the heavenly calling. Closely consider the emissary and the high priest of our confession, Yeshua Messiah. He's who we confess, right? Who, has, who was trustworthy to him who appointed him, as also Moses and all his household. Now you see this comparison of Yeshua and Moses. Who appointed Moses? The Lord, right? Who appointed Yeshua? Same person. Okay. Or this one has been deemed worthy of more esteem. Okay. That is a more esteem than Moses. But understand what that's saying. Worthy of more esteem. That word, if you'll find it in the Hebrew, it has this idea of weighty. So all it's saying is there's one that's even more weightier than Moses. But what it's not saying that as Moses has been done away with because there's a bigger weight. That's not what's being said here. Just that there's one greater. As much as he who builds the house enjoys more respect than the house. For every house, family, is built by someone, but he who builds all is Elohim. Yes, this is so beautiful here. What we have is the natural teaching the spiritual, meaning the things that you see teaches the things you can't see, right? The physical shows the unseen. Moses, indeed, was trustworthy in all his house as a servant. This is interesting. For a witness, an example, a witness, for a witness of what would be spoken later. So Moses is an example. He still has not been done away with. He's a good example, right? But Messiah, as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast to the boldness 
and the boasting of the expectation, the hope firm to the end. Again, Messiah's house is to be understood from the example of Moses. This hit me doing this. Think about this. Think of it as Moses is a step, Yeshua is the next step, right? Think of stairs, next step. As you get up, you're on the step of Moses, you go up to the next step. You can't get rid of that other step because where are you going to be? You're going to fall, right? So you need, the step doesn't go away that got you to Messiah. It continues and builds this whole idea. And I think that's a really good way of thinking of it because you cannot remove that step because one will fall if you do. And you notice how Moses is a servant, Yahshua is a servant as well. Therefore, as set-apart spirit says, who's saying this? Like Mark pointed out, the spirit's saying this. Today, if you hear his voice, and I know Paul wrote this way back to where it says today, but it's interesting, Paul saying today, and he's quoting when it was said that day, so it seems like today is always the day. Right? Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, wilderness. So now we're going to start to see what the hardening of the heart is and the association. And I'm sure some of you, maybe all of you already know this, but this is something that we always have to remind ourselves of. So do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. For your fathers tried me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. What's so interesting with that too, if you don't mind me adding, is something was said. You know, you can have miracles in your life all you want, but that's not going to build faith. And it's proven. They were at the mountain. They saw stuff, right? They saw these stuff. And they still, as we see, they stumbled. Blessed are those who do not see and trust in him. And I'm not putting down miracles. Sometimes we all want them, right? But your faith shouldn't be miracle to miracle. It's faith, trust to trust, right? So therefore, as the Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, whose voice? The Spirit's voice? Elohim's voice? That can be for another day, for sure. Here is where belief, faith, and trust get defined for us. Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, heart ways. So if he's grieved Elohim, then would he still be grieved with the same situation today? If he never changes, right? So I would say a big yes on that. As I swore in my wrath, if, if they 
they shall not enter into my rest. And you can read uh, Psalms 95. What that, read that whole psalm. But it goes on. Look out, brothers and sisters. That's us. Look out, Ralphie. Look out, brothers and sisters. Least that there be any of you a wicked heart of unbelief in falling away from the living Elohim. Now, we were just looking at this idea of a heart of unbelief. But encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceptfulness of sin. Paul's going to define heart, unbelief, and what that is. For we have become partakers of Messiah if we hold fast to the beginning of our trust, our belief. Trust, belief, faith are really the same word. Okay? They get thrown around in our English um, haphazardly. I, I don't know. But anyhow, from our trust to the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion. So a hardening of heart, we're going to see that the, this rebellion that happened is a perfect example of what hardening of the heart is. For who, having heard, what did they do? They heard, they rebelled. Was it not with all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? I'm going to go back to 14 real quick because I overlooked something. And I think it's good. For we have become partakers of Messiah if we hold fast to the beginning of our trust, firm to the end. Wouldn't that include the immersion into the set-apart spirit? Because John's immersion led you to, the, to believe in the one to come. So I don't think it's inappropriate to think of it in those terms at all. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, and do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion. Like I said, hardening in the heart is rebellion. For who have heard rebelled, was it not with all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Let's think of it this way. Was it, did not those who were born again by the blood of the Lamb came out of Egypt? And they still fell. And why I'm saying that, this is a perfect example. Those who came out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb is no different than anybody who takes the blood of the Lamb and put it where? On your heart. Right? Yes, sister. So in the last how the brain works a lot, how it functions, different parts of the brain. And the way scripture just defines hearts, it's like the whole part of you, like you, you go all in, like when you're trusting in Yeshua, you're, you're really going all in. But in the brain, when it's describing that, it's, 
it's this place of intellect, reason, and it's this part before you make a decision. It's where temptation starts. It's where um, it's where the thoughts talk uh, start, like whether to take it captive or not. And so, when it says "Do not harden your hearts," as in the rebellion, that was a decision that they made. That's the place in the brain. It's not just an emotion. No. It's it's not a flippant thing. That is a decision that they made with whatever was happening at the time. No, exactly. And then here's something else to add to it. Were they different human beings than we? No. So there's no difference between the Bible people than us people, right? 17. Thank you. And with whom? Was he grieved 40 years? Was it with those who sinned? Wow. Hardening of the heart, disobedience, hardening of the heart, rebellion, making him grieve. That's sin. And he specifically says in 17, which we... If you read, you already know what happened to them. Those collapsed, those whose corpses fell in the wilderness. They didn't make it to the promised land. They died in the wilderness due to the hardening of their hearts and rebellion. And the Father promised they will not go in. But with the set apart spirit seems to be a... Father puts out another promise to maybe get in but we have an example what not to do so we see that they were unable to enter in because of unbelief belief is is disobeying unbelief is disobeying faith is to obey, to hear and do. Paul just give us an example. It was Moses and the people in the wilderness. The example was to show how to walk in the Spirit, to hear the voice and obey and have hope in the rest to come. This is what Paul's thoughts were. And I would say all through Acts, all his letters, this is Paul's reasoning. So this means he taught this everywhere he went, in a nutshell. So you can't say Paul didn't, Paul never spoke against Elohim's commands, the Torah, those instructions. No, he may not have went along with everything that man came up with, which he was part of that system. Okay, but that's just theologies and doctrines. That doesn't save you. Because it is about salvation, right? Eighteen is I gotta read it again. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but with those who did not obey? So Moses is an example. Moses got the Ten Commandments and others on how to live a righteous life. They rebelled, didn't go along with the show. They saw the miracles. They were 
redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, come out of Egypt, and they still fell in the wilderness. So there is no difference between them and us in that aspect. It still comes down to obedience, whether you're there or you're now. Sister, I saw that you had your hand up. Yeah. Sorry, my brain is still going with this. So I was thinking about <clears throat> those who did not obey. And um, you said that the obedience was defined as listening and doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, and... <laughs> This ties back to the beginning of Hebrews, uh, verses 1 through 6, because I was remembering something I was reading, because the, the King James interprets John 1, 7 as, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Messiah Yeshua. But that's, the but was added exactly. by translators to make it combative against each other. And when they tried to correct it, it's more like, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Messiah Yeshua. And I'm thinking, you know, when you think about obedience and you think about that being the part of the brain that you're making a decision, and there's a three-part process to obedience, not just two, and that came through Yeshua because it's you, you're hearing, you're listening for his voice and you're hearing, but then you're also agreeing with what he's saying and you're understanding why you're supposed to be doing that, and then you go do that. Um, when we, were, we had a Bible study with the kids this week, um, teaching about salvation and how it's a three-part process in the same way that obedience is a three-part process. But I think that's what Yeshua brought, that grace and truth realized, is understanding, like when he was describing and further explaining the Torah in Matthew 5, he was saying, this is a hard issue. You guys really have got to get your hearts right here and agree with me. There's a reason why these things are written down to do. You know, it's um, because it's, anybody, you can tell anybody to do anything and they can go do it, but their heart may not be right. Yeah. And I think that is what the Spirit does. I think that's, that's, what, that's what Yeshua does. And he puts that new heart of flesh in, into us. And I think that's the, in the middle there of obedience, it's very important. And I think that's what they didn't have and probably why they grumbled and complained. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. All those things uh, came into play. Thank you, sister. And then we have in the back. So, Ralphie, you were also talking about um, <clears throat> miracles are not what saves us. And I'm just contemplating what um, Nicola and yourself are saying. Um, is that perhaps the reason why... Um, Yahusha said, I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign that I'm going to give you is Jonah. Because Jonah, it was through his obedience that the entire city of Nineveh was saved because of their repentance and then coming back to uh, the Father in his ancient ways. So miracles versus obedience. Just something to think about, I guess. Oh, no. It, no. And thank you for sharing that. Um, what I think is so interesting uh, when he said that, um, he said, there is no miracle for this perverse generation. He was specific. And I puzzled about that. And I went back and I saw that terminology. It was used to a perverse generation that just didn't want to learn or didn't want to be obedient, you know. Because 
in some ways, if we believe the things that they saw Messiah do, some of those wasn't part of a perverse. You know, they were trying to live righteous and they saw these awesome things. So you'll see more if you're not in part of the perverse generation, I, I guess is what I'm saying. Because we, I think that is the determining factor in what he said, but that stands true. You know, he said that. You're not going to see this perverse generation. I'm still going to show you something. But he even, he even quoted and said, you know, what was that parable? Um, you know, with the one who went down below and said, oh God, let me go back and tell my brothers after he died. And Messiah, what did he say? They got Moses and the prophet, right? I believe that's where he said he, they got Moses and the prophet. You know, they're not even going to believe of a dead man. They see it. So you can see it's just not miracles is, I guess, what I'm getting at. There's a lot more that's there. So especially if you're going, prove, prove me, prove me, you know, that type, prove it, prove it. Anyhow. So let me continue if there's nothing else. So, and when Saul had laid hands on them, we're going to go back with some of the things that we learned. And when Saul laid hands on them, then the set-apart spirit came upon them, and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And all the men were about 12. And having gone into the congregation, he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading concerning the reign of Elohim. So this is where we went. But there were some who were hardened and did not believe, did not want to go along with that. Not sure. They didn't believe that particular message. They didn't believe how Paul was presenting it. Don't know the depths of it. So some of their hearts became hardened. But the thing is, what's to me still hidden in this idea and this isn't just here. This is in any Christian denomination. I'm going to stick with that. That there can be hardened hearts that do not believe. Okay? They believe that there's a Messiah. They believe in God. But how are those things to define? How have we learned how those are defined? It's like, wow. I, I got to keep the feast. He says right here, this isn't good for me to eat, so I, I, I eat biblically clean. I'm not going along with whatever someone says is, now bless this and it's good. No, no, just let's, if we stick to the basics, if he loves us, that's why he's saying such things. So, ultimately, they were somewhere along the, the path I'm guessing, did not believe in the way of Yahovah. They were more into their traditions and their doctrines and their theologies. And that's no different than today. We have to be on guard. And that goes for each of us personally. Do we have our own little personal theology box? Okay. So belief, believe, belief, faith. These men 
again. They did have belief, as you would say, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they were believers, but not obeyers is really what it comes down to in some ways. So the question is you. We all believe. Are we obeyers? Hmm. There's where it really gets tricky for us, huh? Are we obeying? It's easy. Oh, yeah, I know there's a God. Right? It's easy to do that mental thing. So the commandments of men, theologies and doctrines of men, they, they do affect your faith. What's that? Yes, they can affect your faith. And, that's, and it's just not those affect your faith. Just the basics of being man, being human. We have, all have the various temptations. We got that to deal with, let alone we're going to add these other things in there. It's, it's his ways that we have to focus on, being obedient to the things. Now, that does not mean that there isn't grace in that. Plenty of grace. But there's forgiveness in that. But that's a big difference between done away with or, you know, like in the wilderness, just absolutely don't want to go along with the show. That's where the complaining came in. And we all got to work on that. I'm sure I'm not the only one on the complaining aspect of it. So we all must be on guard. He's a believer, but not an obeyer. She's a believer, but not an obeyer. Are you a believer or an obeyer? Or maybe obeying believer. That's what we need to be, an obeying believer. That should be what our goal is to the best of our ability. So, disobedience and the hardening of the heart, they're really one and the same. So, with the time, I will just stop here. But is there any other comments or questions or criticisms and whatever it might be. So let me close in prayer. Father, Yahuwah, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we believe your report. We trust in what you had said, what has been done, that your very words became flesh and that he, Yahshua, laid his life down. He has taken it back up again. We believe that, Father. And we trust that your spirit will come alongside us and empower us so we can continue to walk. And Father, may we 
be encouraged and strengthened by you to be more and more obedient to the things that you have said and put before us. Father, we want to please you. We know that is the way of life. And we so need your help with that. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've shown to each and every one of us. Father, thank you again for a love that we find in your Messiah, Yeshua, that is so deep. Thank you, Father. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone online here. Thanks for joining us, and we'll continue in Acts 19 next week. Thank you.